0: Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Welcome back to Unlocking the Truth podcast. This is week three in the book of James. How are you doing, Derek? I'm doing great. I'm loving studying James. It is a fantastic study. Last week we looked at consider it all joy mm-hmm. when facing trials. And uh, last week, I used the analogy of a pair of binoculars, just changing our perspective and our view uh, to having a heavenly view of trials, a God perspective of trials. This week, I wanted to give you another analogy. I'm all about analogies. Pastors love analogies, don't they, Derek? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a marathon runner. I am about to embark on uh, what we would call a 70 3.3 0.3 mile trek called half Ironman and uh, that is 2 kilometers of swimming 90 kilometer bike ride and 21.1 kilometer Run all in one day.
1: It's a good thing to do the swimming
0: first Glad you do the swimming <laughs> first otherwise uh, <laughs> There might not be a week four. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm I'm pretty uh, nervous about it. I'm excited about it. The one thing that makes me uh, really worried about it is the pain. Uh, I think about the pain that this is going to cause that I'm bringing upon myself, as my wife says. But uh, at the end, you know, as you run through this swim, bike, run Mm -hmm. through this Ironman, You will come across a finish line. Right. And one of the things I'm most looking forward to is when they yell my name and they say, You are an Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a half
1: half Iron Man. Man.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's the only reason I'm doing this. Yeah. Is so that I can get this metal. Right. Right. And put it onto my metal wall in my office so that everybody who comes in can see I was an iron, half iron You're man. You're half an iron man. I know. I probably <laughs> at one point, I hope I don't break down and actually want to do a full <laughs> iron man. I don't know if I could actually We'll pray handle. for you.
1: We'll pray that God gives you wisdom. Yeah. Uh, wisdom. Uh, he needs to give me power
0: he <laughs> can do that in too. my legs you know just in my legs anyway no we want to we don't want to be taking all these verses out of context but what i've been saying to myself and this is totally sarcasm which mm-hmm. probably hopefully comes through yeah philippians four thirteen, man i'm gonna i'm gonna write it on my arm <laughs> <laughs> i can do all things all things through christ who strengthens me yeah including an iron including man. an iron man i don't know i use that example in workshops all the time and here i am Taken out of context, book of Philippians. Let's get back to the book of James. Chapter 1, verse 12. Listen to this verse right here. uh, And you listeners, uh, have you heard this verse before? Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love them. And just quickly looking at blessed is the man who perseveres, under trial the first few words in chapter 1 verse 12 they sound super familiar
1: blessed is what derek well if if we we recognize that james is the brother of jesus and uh, he takes some of the same words as jesus actually seeing james a lot of pointing back to the words of jesus and the sermon on the mount and we see in um matthew chapter 5 We start looking at verse 10. He says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And verse 12 says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We see Jesus and James saying the same thing, that in the midst of trials and of difficulties and of persecution, our response, Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. James says, consider it all joy. Jesus also says, your reward in heaven is great. And James says, that if you um, persevere, that you will be approved and you will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised. Right,
0: Now I want to bring those two connections from Matthew and James together really quick. So make sure you keep your finger in Matthew and see what did it say in Matthew again, again about the reward? There was two, two references in Matthew chapter uh, five, verse 10, down to verse 12, and what were those
1: things? Yeah, again? first that theirs is the kingdom of heaven and that your reward in heaven is great. Right, so and
0: then in James 12, the crown of life, that really is uh, something that we have to go back to the beginning of these verses and look at. Blessed is the man who perseveres. I think we looked at that word last week too in the Greek, hupomino, mm-hmm. which means remain under. Yeah. So it's not getting out of the trial, but it's re- you're persevering in it, you're right. surviving through it. And then that word approved it it actually means to test Mm -hmm. and so uh when you've been approved like when you've been tested through that trial when you've come through that trial and you've passed the test you receive the crown of life and this really is just like that iron man Mm -hmm. because when you cross the finish line of the iron man if you if you're not laying down, <laughs> if you're still standing, yeah, uh, you take a, a little walk, and this is the way they do it in marathons too. You, you take a slight little walk, um, and then you bow your head, and somebody puts on uh, the medal over your uh, over your head, mm-hmm. and and they say to you. Uh, you know, this isn't a participation medal. This is a victory medal you have, you know, you've won. And so here in the same sense, this crown of life is an indicator of a victorious win. Mm -hmm. So it's like what they did in the Olympics, you know, and the Boston marathon actually still does it. They put on a leafy crown on top of the winner's head still to show that they are victorious. And this is the same thing here is that We, if we pass the test, if we are approved and we come through it well, responding in joy, we will receive that crown Mm -hmm. of life, which is so cool. Yeah. Now, look at verse 13, because it's now sort of, I want to say, along the same response. So, our response in trials from the beginning of what we looked at last week was what? Right, was consider it all joy. Right, joy, rejoice, worship, Mm -hmm. you know have a God's view and perspective. And then verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. So the opposite response
1: to joy Mm -hmm. under trial would be to do what? That we blame God for uh, making our life (laughs) difficult and causing us to sin.
0: Well... I think that's where a lot of people begin to go, don't they? Absolutely. They they wonder why, how can God allow this to happen? Right. Or uh, God is tempting me Mm -hmm. to see if I'm going to pass. And I wanted to kind of stop right there because I've heard that before. I've heard people say that God is tempting Mm -hmm. me. And what I want to make really clear, and I have this written on the very top of my notes here, is that God tests, but he never tempts. Right. And so God tests us to strengthen our character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Job, what we talked about last week, is a phenomenal example of right. that. Abraham is a phenomenal example, again, of a testing for the strengthening of character. Right. But God cannot will not tempt Mm -hmm. and so let's look at some cross-references and and uh, I'll get you Derek to read Leviticus 19 too I'll read Habakkuk you know Habakkuk is hard to find (laughs) it's a little book so I will uh, read Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 Mm -hmm. and here's what it says regarding God Uh, your eyes are too pure to approve evil And you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? So right first, in that first part of that verse, uh, 13, uh, your eyes are too pure Mm -hmm. to approve evil. God does not tempt.
1: Leviticus 19 uh, two. What does it say? It says, uh, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. We're beginning to, um, to put together a picture here of, of God's character. Uh, and, and very clearly he says, uh, not only uh, is he holy, but he is calling for his people to be holy as well. Isaiah chapter uh, 6, Verse 3 uh, says that,
0: And one who called out to another said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So God is Holy, just as we've seen coming through Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, we've seen in Habakkuk 1:3 that His eyes uh, do not look on things that are evil. First Peter 1:16, uh,
1: what does it say there? Uh, it says, "Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." Again, we have that, the same words of a calling to holiness because of the holiness of our God. Right. And so I
0: want to make us clear, and I'm going to say this again, that God tests, but he never tempts. Mm-hmm. Our tests that are given by God are meant to strengthen our character. God does not want his people to sin. Yeah. This whole book, this whole Bible from the beginning of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, when that original sin occurred, all the way to the book of Revelation is about a restoration from sin. Right. And so why in the world would someone state in the same way that James is saying here that it's God who is tempting me? Right. And and that's the interesting part about this Greek word in trials in the book of James here is pressure, uh, blessed is the man who persever- perseveres under trial. The word trial is defined as temptation. Mm-hmm. And so what James is saying here is don't let anyone say that God in his holy character is tempting. Absolutely. It's not right. And so look at verse 14 that comes along because there is this but that comes Mm -hmm. along with this let no one, but each one who is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Mm -hmm. Uh, Verse 15, then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And so I want to talk about this for a moment, Derek, because I think what I'm seeing in verse 14, you can tell me if you agree or disagree. And that is that sin and is a process. Mm -hmm. So there's a process here that we are going through uh, that starts with the temptation. That's right.
1: Well, and, and the sin is already, it's in our hearts. That's where it originates. And, uh, Verse 14 says that when we're tempted, we're carried away by our own lust. So it's already within us, that enticed, that word was luring, and so it's already something that we want. Um, and then we are just shown the thing that we want, and so then we, then we go for it. Um, but yeah, there's this process of, uh, of being tempted, uh, being enticed by its own lust, and then that lust, when it is conceived, when it is given life, uh, and that's not God who gives it life. It is us who gives love, gives uh, life to that lust. Then it gives birth to sin. And then when we sin, when it is accomplished, when it does what it's meant to do, it brings forth death.
0: What, what James has given us here, he's given us a perfect example of how a child mm-hmm. is brought about. Mm-hmm. So first there's conception. Then after conception, it begins to, you know, the child grows within Mm -hmm. the mother for nine months. And then eventually it's birthed Mm -hmm. and we have, and we're holding a baby. It's the same with sin. Sin, like you said, it starts in your heart and then it moves from your heart to your mind. And then your mind begins to be consumed by that, by that lust and that Mm -hmm. desire for you to have whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever morally in, uh, or unrighteous it is, and then all of a sudden, you you can't overtake, you can't overcome with your mind right. what uh, that lust and that desire is, and so you give birth to it, and you just commit the mm-hmm. sin. And so, uh, what people are saying, and what James is saying here is, don't blame God for that. Exactly. That's yeah. got nothing to do with God, because God isn't tempting you. This is all coming from yourself. Mm -hmm. Verse 16, Uh, what's it say?
1: It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. I always like it when scripture says, do not be deceived, because it, it puts the responsibility on the reader, on the studier to not be deceived. It doesn't say don't deceive. It says don't be deceived. So it's our responsibility to not be deceived. And the only way that we can uh, guard ourselves from deception is to know the truth. Uh,
0: are you crazy? That would be the terms in 2018 mm-hmm. when you would hear somebody make a statement that is completely opposite right. to what is the truth. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, this is the problem that we're facing in our society right now is, and we'll look at this a little bit more. But what is truth? Right, and you know you don't know what truth is. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I love to compare is politics. They th- they say two things: don't get involved in conversations with religion and religion politics. Religion and politics, yeah. But in politics, and I use this example on our on a, in our workshops in the past, uh, especially when you're trying to decipher commentaries. Mm-hmm. But I talked about what is the truth. Don't be deceived. Right. Because you have, for example, in the United States of America, you have two competing news networks. Mm-hmm. You've got CNN. All right, So if you don't like Donald Trump, you and watch you CNN. you want to be with the bashing of it, Donald Trump, yeah. well, you watch CNN. Because they're basically going to... That's their job. Their job is to destroy CNN. On the other end, if you like Donald Trump, and you want to hear everything positive of Donald Trump, you watch Fox News. Because they'll, you know, give you a cloud nine of everything that's Mm -hmm. going on. And the problem is, you've got people on opposite ends now who are watching one set of news and another set of news, and you have no clue what the truth is. Exactly. My whole issue in all of this, when it talks about truth is that Canadians are spending so much time arguing back and forth on what is truth and what is not yeah. truth. And isn't that kind of what's happening in people's minds? Is this temptation and trial, God is doing this to me, right. not having a proper mindset. And we, and we start to get war torn within our own minds and mm-hmm. our hearts. And same with this lust. But here he's saying, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren, mm-hmm. your God, is a holy God yeah. he does not tempt and he does not want you to sin yeah. then he comes into verse 17 every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow or shifting shadow mm-hmm. now verse 17 as in my pastoral years I've read this verse a number of times in reference to the reason people should tithe right
1: no that's not that's not what james is talking about absolutely he does talk about that but not here that's right but you
0: know i was saying i was saying to you before we came on here that there was a prayer book put Mm -hmm. out by our denomination that this was in there to read as a response to people giving in an offering right but let's look at this because Uh, if you're listening with us and you happen to have a Bible with you or you don't have a Bible and you're driving or however you're listening, you need to go back to this verse Mm -hmm. and you need to put in verse 17 in the margin of your Bible character of God. Right. So every good thing and every perfect gift is from above. Okay.
1: God does not tempt. Right. Only God gives good things. Right. We have, a, we have a contrast here between what people are saying about God. He's tempting me and the truth right. that every good thing and every perfect gift is from God. So God doesn't bring bad things upon us. God only brings good. Right. And then James points to uh, him,
0: God, as the father of lights, mm-hmm. Genesis chapter one, Right. created the light. This is all about God as a creator. It's Mm -hmm. pointing back to who he is and who his character is that God is the creator. He created the sun, moon, and the stars. I mean, he is the creator of light with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So now another character of God, he does not change. exactly. It's the same God from Genesis chapter Mm 1 that's through the whole Old Testament that's into the entire New Testament that God is a God who keeps his promises. Mm -hmm. God does not change. God does not shift from only giving good to then giving things to cause us to want to sin. So you've got here a couple of gifts. Mm -hmm. So let's look at the first one. And we have to go back to chapter one. And what's that first
1: gift that he gives, Derek? Wisdom. He gives he gives to wisdom to all without without reproach. Well, it looks like
0: to me from our podcast last week and from the scriptures that wisdom from God is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to help us to respond properly right. in our trials. So, gift one is wisdom. Gift two that he brings is the very fact that he is not changing, mm-hmm. that he is the same God. So two gifts that we've got within there is one wisdom from God and the fact that he doesn't change.
1: Yeah, we have the knowledge that he's a He's a steadfast God and we can, the nice thing about a God that doesn't change is that when the world changes or when our thoughts and ideas change, we know that that he doesn't and he's gifted us Uh, his word so that we can see and know who he is. And that doesn't change. Right. And that's where he bounces off next. If you know
0: God Mm -hmm. as creator, if you know that God doesn't tempt, if you know that God will never change, Mm -hmm. then he says in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Mm-hmm. Now,
1: what do you think about this word of truth, Derek? Well, the, the word of truth, uh, I would say, is, is the gospel. And that's, what the, that's in, his, in his goodness. Every good thing given, every perfect gift, in the exercise of his will, his will that is good, his will that is perfect, brought us forth, which means gave us life. The same way that James says that sin brings forth death, Uh, So God, in the exercise of his will, brings us forth, gives us life by the word of truth. So he's talking about uh, the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ.
0: Right, which is a standard now, okay? Because this is where we're headed in the rest of this chapter is everything at the center of this is the gospel. Mm -hmm. A child of God can pray and ask God for God's wisdom to respond to trials. Right. A child of God understands the character of God and does not blame God for tempting him. Mm -hmm. A child of God knows the character of God and knows that he is the creator and has no variation or shadow of change. That's right. So all of these things, and we know that God works for good, Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 8. And so now I want to look quickly is where he, James says, in this exercise of his will brought forth by the word of truth. So that we be a kind of first fruits among his creatures, mm-hmm. we need to look at first fruits. Yeah. Two cross references we'll quickly look at, and uh, one of them is Romans sixteen five and 1 Corinthians sixteen fifteen. Both give us an indication of this first fruits, and so uh, I'm going to uh, argue here or not argue, but I'm going to lay out the foundation that I believe that what James is saying is that uh, this is a reference to some of the first believers Mm -hmm. that have come out of the gospel, and therefore these believers now uh, will have multiple conversions coming out after them. So the first fruits are those uh, first believers Mm -hmm. in then which the gospel Spread to right. many more. Romans sixteen, verse five. It says, "Also greet the church that is in their house. Uh, greet Epaphras, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia, the first fruit mm-hmm. of Asia."
1: What does First Corinthians sixteen fifteen says? It says, "I urge now. I urge you, brethren. You know." the household of stephanus that they were the first fruits of Achaia and that they devoted themselves for ministry to the saints so back again to first fruits mm-hmm. i mean the connection word of
0: truth yeah. life change transformation first fruits mm-hmm. of uh, among his creatures so verse 19 says this you know my beloved brethren but everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger for Mm -hmm. the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of god okay so how does this connect to the word
1: of truth well we have to kind of break up this verse right at that contrast of but so he says this you know my beloved brethren he could say Therefore, Paul probably would have said, therefore, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's saying, because you know this, the truth of every good thing and every perfect gift comes from above, that he's the father of lights, that there is no variation, that he brought us forth by the word, because you know the character of God, he says, um, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The anger that James is talking about is that same way we feel when we say, God is tempting me. Um, when we feel like we can't do it anymore and we turn around and we blame God. We blame God because we don't know who he is, because we don't understand his His true character um, and because we don't know that's true, uh, then we begin to be angry and uh, and. Verse 20 tells us that it does not achieve the righteousness of God.
0: This is selfishness. Absolutely. This is my own flesh, my own response to whatever is going on, Mm -hmm. uh, quick to speak, you know, or, you know, that we must be quick to hear. So if we look at the other way around, a child of God, a child of the devil, Mm -hmm. okay, a child of the devil is... uh, Quick to speak. Right. Slow to hear. Yeah. Quick to anger. Mm -hmm. So you contrast those with a child of God. Right. A child of God needs to be the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. So, whatever the case may be, if it is your trial and you're blaming God, yeah. If it is something that's going on in your life, you need to act and respond in a different way than that of the child of the devil. Mm -hmm. That means uh, listen first. Sp- speak slowly. Yeah, and be slow to anger. Mm-hmm. I want to preface that anger in itself is not really a sin. Right. It's okay to be angry. Right. But that's a topic for another podcast. But we have to be careful that we would say you cannot ever be angry. There's other scriptures yeah. to look at about anger. Mm-hmm. But what he's saying, and I like how you stated this, is that when you are quick to speak, when you are slow to hear, and when you are quick to anger, it does not reflect your life transformation mm-hmm. by the word of truth. Yeah. It does not show the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And so he gives us these next verses which is a therefore. Mm-hmm. If you've been changed by the gospel.
1: Right. This is how you can achieve the righteousness of God.
0: Right. Put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility. Receive the word. What's the word? The gospel. The gospel implanted, which is able to save your souls. Mm-hmm. So this is more than just hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is more than just saying, I believe the gospel. Right. Uh, I like the word implanted mm-hmm. because it indicates a change. Yeah. You think about a heart transplant. Yeah. You have to ha- take the old one out and put the new one. Exactly. In. And so you've implanted this, you know, think about when you change the batteries from dead batteries to charge batteries. It, mm-hmm. The the thing works finally. Yeah. This is what's happening here, implanting the word within you, for the purpose of transformation. Mm-hmm. Without an implanted word, you can't get rid of filthiness. You can't get rid of wil- wi- uh, wickedness. Yeah. There's an absolutely zero humility. Mm-hmm. Contrasted to this is all God's fault. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But prove yourselves. Now, this is the interesting part. Mm-hmm. The word prove, do you think it's related to testing? It just might be. <laughs> I, it, it just causes me to, to show something. Yeah. So if, if the gospel is in me, the gospel has transformed me, the gospel is causing me to become more and more like God, mm-hmm. or by like Jesus Christ, there has to be
1: proof. Exactly. Of life transformation. Yeah. And so what does he say about proof? Well, that you prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. And that goes back to being deceived that you're, you're, it's kind of dumb that you're tricking yourself, that you're, you think all I have to do is, um, you know, listen and believe, and that's good enough. But James says that we are to be doers of the word. Uh, And he goes on to say that if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk about look. Mm -hmm. And the idea here, um, I don't know if it holds, it probably holds the same... For some men, mm-hmm. but the idea of looking into the mirror is not walking by it. Right. It's not just as you walk by, you take a glance and you, oh yeah, my you know, my pants are long enough compared to where yep. my shoe. No. The word look is staring intently into it, mm-hmm. examining. You know, so you're you're spending some time in front of that mirror and yep. you're examining yourself. But the result of this exam in front of the mirror is that uh, you've looked at yourself and you've forgotten what you looked like. Mm-hmm. So the funny part is is you know yourself you recognize yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. you you might see some things that are in that like when you're studying it you yeah. know? think about a teenager that first time they get that pimple right you know yeah. <laughs> The devastation that comes as they <laughs> stare and stare and stare and stare and stare at it and look at it, but the result of this is that as they walk away, they forget who they are. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I walk and I stare and I look at it, but there's no fruit coming out of my life mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, I stare at the mirror, I walk away, forget who I was. Look at. But he says, but the one who looks intently, it's the same look there, yeah. looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed mm-hmm. in what he does. We, we, we started this podcast right. on blessed. So here's what we're talking about here. It's actually not about just raising your hand, walking an aisle, saying a prayer. Yeah. It's about life transformation. And as a result of life transformation, we see fruit. And mm-hmm. what is the fruit that we're talking about
1: that comes out of this? Well, that we become an effectual doer and we're blessed in what it is that we do. So that, this is the most interesting
0: thing. It's taking the love of Jesus that we have and then going out and serving. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one explanation that I kind of have used in the past is uh, works are a byproduct of our salvation. Mm-hmm. So like ketchup, you know, my son loves ketchup, but the tomato is the product. Right. That's the main ingredient that goes into ketchup and so when you put the tomato into the ketchup and you grind it up it's actually a really disgusting process Mm -hmm. but you go and you do that you grind it up and out comes the ketchup ketchup. but that's the byproduct of the tomato Mm -hmm. and the same is as our salvation the byproduct of salvation is works right and so we have to do works so uh we want to look at A couple things here before we wrap up. The first is this. How does the word of truth and the perfect law and the law of liberty connect?
1: Yeah, we have a a couple of different things that James is talking about. And when it says, when he talks about the the perfect law, um, he's not talking about just the Old Testament law. He's talking about the The perfect law, uh, when Jesus is asked what is the most important, he says to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, And it's the law becomes perfect because of the word of truth. The law of liberty uh, is contrasted with the law of the Old Testament. The Old Testament law was not a law of freedom. It was um, a law that... um, that people felt you have to follow this law in order to be saved. Um, But now we are freed uh, from the law by the word of truth. And now it becomes not something that we are um, uh, forced to do, but it becomes that thing that we do because of uh, we understand God's character. We know that what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. So now we have a desire to follow his law. Yeah.
0: And I have used this a number of times as I've preached sermons in my years of ministry. Have to, want to. Mm -hmm. So that connector is the law. We're talking about the Old Testament law. And so to to attain righteousness in the Old Testament from the moment that Moses brought that law down from Mount Sinai, you had to obey every one of the laws. If you didn't obey every one of the laws, you weren't righteous. Mm -hmm. Even if you let go on one, you weren't righteous. And so that law, as uh, Galatians tells us, that law became a tutor Mm -hmm. for us. It showed us our sin. But then the law actually became liberating when connected to the gospel. When Jesus Christ came, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill Mm -hmm. the law. So grace, salvation, righteousness now comes through Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to me, uh, to the Father, except through me. me. The right. connector, as you said, and I'm restating here, is that uh, it goes from having to com- to do it to wanting to fulfill mm-hmm. the law as fruit of our salvation. Right. We want to live a righteous life and stand before God, knowing that we're not going to attain it. Yeah, you know, until we. Are with the Lord, but it is, and as you talked about those greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Uh, we connect the second part of that great commandment mm-hmm. to twenty six. Right. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Well, let's talk about that first. So, what do we, what are we talking about in verse twenty
1: six? Well, there there are people who think. That they are religious and yet are not living in a way um, that their religion is actually uh, good. It's not. It's not actually worth anything. And it's because they cannot uh, control their tongue. They're lying to their own heart. And I think this goes back to this idea of being um, of 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 being angry of uh, not not knowing God's character. Um, thinking that they're religious by just hearing the word but then their life looks different and they they say things about God like God is tempting me or they say things out of anger to other people uh, and, and his, his religion actually ends up being completely uh, worthless. It doesn't serve himself and it doesn't serve anyone else.
0: Yeah, and we're going to spend some time uh, really looking at the tongue Mm -hmm. in a, in a future podcast as well, because it does talk about that, but you're right. You've got to, a child of God can control their tongue. You know, they are quick, you know, you got to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, Mm -hmm. you know, so you can't blame God. I mean, these are all things that you've got to control. And when you do that and you can't tame your tongue, Mm -hmm. it shows what's in your heart. Right, And so then you don't, you know, you're making whatever your religious worthless. Like right. you're, you know, faith, it sparks action. It mm-hmm. just isn't about words. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing we want to look at is this last verse. And pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. To visit orphans, widows in distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. Mm-hmm. I think we, I know James wrote it in this way. But let's just reverse it for a minute. Sure. So, first, keep yourself unstained f- by the world. Mm-hmm. Put aside all filthiness. Make sure your life reflects that of one that is transformed by the gospel. Right. When your life reflects that it's been transformed by the gospel, which is a process, mm-hmm. sanctification, the other aspect of that is the doer part. And what does it tell us in that verse
1: about being a doer? That we visit orphans and widows in their distress. First uh, John, Derek, you got a
0: cross-reference in First
1: John mm-hmm.
0: about, you know, being a doer of the word.
1: Yeah, so First uh, John chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 17 says, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. So we have this this same sort of understanding, the same sort of idea that uh, the love of God in us should do something and it should cause us uh, to show the love of God, not just by the things that we say, um, but it, actually by the things that we do. Put your faith in action. Mm -hmm.
0: Are you, as an individual and a believer in Jesus Christ, are you working in the process of sanctification through the word of truth, which all begins with implanting the word Mm -hmm. in you? As the word is implanted in you, you'll gain a greater love for Jesus Christ. You'll gain a greater love and understanding for God. It will cause you to respond differently in your temptations, and your trials, but it's also going to cause you to want to work outwardly. So as we wrap up here now, I want to tell you that service to the Lord is vital. Mm -hmm. Are you serving the Lord? Because this is the outworking of your salvation. I want to make it clear though, that we don't want people to leave here and just jump into service. Right. Because service doesn't save. Exactly. Service is the outworking of salvation. You have a role to play within the church, Mm -hmm. within the body of Christ, and you have gifts that you've been given. You should put those gifts into action. And so uh, the book of Ephesians, we also have with precept a great spiritual gifts study if you don't know where your gifting Mm -hmm. would be. But this is the reality. That pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God is to visit orphans, widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained from the world. Mm -hmm. So this is my challenge to you as we pray. Are you living a real life, a real life of faith? One that reflects that your life is one that now lives as a child of God. Are you pursuing righteousness? Mm -hmm. And as you pursue righteousness, are you serving the Lord and using the gifts that you've been given. Are you just a hearer of the word, or are you a doer of the Mm -hmm. word? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that you've given us today. We thank you for the book of James. Oh Lord, what a convicting book this is. You're challenging us to grow deeper and deeper in our knowledge of you. You're calling us to implant the word within us. You're calling us to respond with joy. You're calling us to understand your character, and so, Father, as we continue to grow in our study, would You search our hearts? Would You cause us to look in the mirror, search our hearts, and show us the things that we need to change to become more like You? We give our lives to You now, in Your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877